Hello and welcome to the WRT Sports Podcast for Sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the field of play. I'm Elaine Buckley and for this episode I'm joined by the one and only Kira McGeehan, fresh from running a personal best in the 1500 metres final at the World Athletics Championships to secure a top 10 finish. Kira, you're very welcome to the W, but first and foremost, welcome home. Ah, thank you so much. How are you? I am great. Great. And it's lovely to be back lovely to be back in the Emerald Isle. I absolutely love getting home. So yeah, I'm loving life. When did you get back? I got back on Tuesday. I got back to Manchester where I'm based on Monday at about nine o'clock, half nine at night. I did all my washing. My mummy will be delighted to know all the Irish kits hanging up drying. And then I got a flight to Dublin the next morning. So um so yeah, I got wanted to fly in to get to watch the the girls play up in Tala. So that was fantastic. It was that's a nice way to finish my my athletic season. Go out and watch some more Irish girls killing it. We're all there to bring each other up, and uh, I like to to think that me performing on a on a world stage helps other Irish athletes and other Irish female athletes to get up there. And and look, we're in this together, and we're we're sure as hell going to try to push each other up. Well, performing on the world stage, you certainly did. My God, Kira, what a week you had out in Doha. It all started in the heat. Going into that in such a hyper competitive field. Talk us through that that opening heat. Yeah, like I suppose the women's 1500 metres right now is one of the best events of athletics. It's one of the most competitive and it's it's red hot right now. So I knew going in that I was capable of making a final, but you don't want to count your eggs before they've hatched. So me and Steve, my coach, approached each race that it, like it was going to be my last that I was going to go and treat this like a final and each single race I came to was going to be the same. So I have to say for that first round, I was absolutely up the high dough, so nervous. It like, I think you're more nervous for the ones that you should get through because there's that pressure of you should, you should get through this round. So I was extremely nervous going into that. Um, but I knew that I was capable of, of getting through that round and went out and the race panned out kind of the way I thought that it would. It went out steady pace it wound up and finished fast and that's kind of standard 1500 meter running I'd that's like bread and butter 15 so I got myself into a good position sitting just behind the leaders I told myself right you're just going to stay there and um yeah whenever the push came to shove I I did say I meant to be I wasn't going to take any rubbish so um yeah fought right through the line and, and qualified through that first round so that was that was a lot of pressure off to make it through the semi. What were the conditions like? It was kind of, you know, watching it at home, it looked, uh, it just looked like it, you were all sweltering, to be honest. But how, come that first heat kind of coming to terms with the conditions, how important was that? Yeah, so interestingly enough, the, the conditions in Doha were very warm and very humid, but the track was air conditioned. So I, I warmed up on an indoor track, did my 20 minute run on an indoor track, made my way across to an outdoor track to do my strides. Um, and that was hot and I felt warm and you're a little bit like, oh, okay. But your mind is just on the race so you don't dwell on it too much. Then walked into um, into the stadium and it was it was no warmer than any other championship I've raced at. So that was that was interesting. It was humid because they couldn't get get rid of the humidity in the in the stadium, but it wasn't it wasn't the pressure that I thought it was going to be. I really do feel and did feel for our marathon and race walkers because they were the ones out in out in the the conditions outside and like that lady's marathon was it was carnage. It it would make you question should a marathon be run in such conditions. It's it's very tough for the athletes and it's more of a war of attrition. But if an athlete gets their prep right, if they're in the right mental state for that, then they can excel. And Brendan Boyce just proved that to finish sixth. Like he, 
he he raced the race of his life and I think the margin between his best and how he performed was the least in comparison to his counterparts which shows that it's testament to his preparation for that championship so um yeah like these are this is the type of stuff that championships throw up there's there's conditions that you wouldn't usually have but it's the same for everybody and we all have to to challenge them and I suppose it's how you, you cope with those challenges that are thrown your way the external factors that you literally have no control, control over. over definitely it's how you how you battle that and how you deal with it in your head and quite often the person who's the most prepared and possibly the most relaxed with regards to them that you're not going to get stressed are the ones who who perform the best and looking on then to your semi-final which by the way was absolutely thrilling to watch on television <laughs> i was at home like screaming at the television i hope you could hear us because we really put in a solid effort like <laughs> but in terms of that race and the tactics involved leading out in front oh splashes of your el camogie elbows coming out in that as well in, oh yeah I didn't grow up playing Kamugi for Portaferry to be shoved about a track. Um, yeah, I I did not plan to be at the front of that race. Anybody who knows me as a racer would know that I am not a natural front runner. Um, and how I find myself at the front of it, everybody just went out slow, and I was like, "Oh, Jesus, right, we're here. So let's right, let's have it." And to be honest, I'm very confident in my finish. So if they wanted to to run slow and leave it all to a kick at the end, that's how the European champs were run in in Amsterdam and I meddled there I was like I'm, I'm ready for you so um yeah I I just went around I was like I'm not going to be a pacemaker for anybody but I was telling myself the whole time in my head my, my coach talks a lot about the chimp if anybody knows the chimp paradox um it's a it's kind of a principle that there's this little chimp in your head who who is ultimately shouting at you and it's it gets out of its box and it's going crazy and quite often that's the little voice that you have to deal with um so I had him in my head throwing bananas about being like oh my god we're at the front and I was like it's okay people have to come around um if they come up on my shoulder I'm going to match the pace I'm well able to match the pace and then I'm going to finish strong yeah I think I left everybody a little nervous seeing as I finished fifth and it was top five to qualify and that was definitely not going to be a fastest losers race so um yeah but I threw it everything down that back straight and that home straight to really had a good split for my last uh 40 400 meters really Steve was like I'm happy with that but um yeah, I think I made a lot of people nervous. <laughs> and I'd say that chimp was going bananas on, on the final bell for that final 400. My God, it was it was, it was was a flyer. Oh yeah, that's where I let him out because yeah, he just, that's whenever the chimp takes over and you're just nearly screaming running down the track. <laughs> and crossing the line, Kira, like I suppose it's something that people like me will never understand because when we're watching you race, you know, we have the feed on the TV, we have the graphics coming up on the TV, you're looking on Twitter, you're keeping an eye out to see the official time confirmed. But for you crossing the line, like, where do you look? Do you, do you do a head count first? Do you, are you looking at a screen? What's yeah. the process? So the interesting thing in athletics is, and you can, do, it's more the longer distance races that you'd notice it. You'll see the athletes looking up. There's big screens in the stadium. So for me, I was running down that home straight and I can see the big screen ahead of me. Um, and you're kind of like, whenever there was four athletes in front of me, that made me nervous. I wanted to make sure I was at least top four. I wanted to know there's two, maybe two people or more than one person that I had to, to battle um, for that, for that, top five position so that was a little nerve-wracking but I could tell the girl that I passed was dying I was looking took a little glance over each shoulder make sure nobody's on my shoulder and drive through the line I can't do anything to control how fast they're coming but if I'm I'm ready to challenge it um, and when you finish the line oh goodness my hands are on my knees and I'm looking at the track ultimately um, 
Yeah, I, you pretty much know where you finished. If it's a blanket finish, it's a bit tougher and you're looking up at the screen to find out what the result was. But uh, yeah, you you cross that line. For me, it's cross the line and in my head, it's usually find a bin <laughs> to, uh, to throw up in usually. Um, so I'm usually making a beeline. I usually go around and try to shake the girls' hands because um, look, it's an honour to race against all these girls and we're all in there together. It's a battle. As much as we're we're fighting each other on the track, it's a, it's it's an honour to, to toe the line with them so I'm always feel very privileged to race against the top girls in the world um, but yeah usually whenever I get off I need to just get in have a wee swig of water and, and get my recovery on but yeah you're usually having a wee glance at the screens over left and right and once I cross the line don't know where my eyes go <laughs> Thinking back to, to two years ago at Worlds like this time round having to think about recovery and preparation for a final Definitely. Yeah, it's something, this is something that's been really crucial for me over this past year. Um, me and Steve have really talked about recovery and that's not simply recovery post-race, it's recovery in my life. Um, I'm much better athlete at making sure that I've got enough rest in, that I'm fueling well. It's something that's a constant, it's a constant job. People probably think like, oh, you're a full-time athlete, what do you do in between runs? It's like, that's my work as well. I recover. You may see me taking a nap, but that's as important for me as my evening run. So recovery is an absolute vital part of of all athletic performance um but yeah stepping off the track that's that's one of the things you have to think of straight away because it showed me in at the european indoors in glasgow i i was i finished the first round it was tough because it was top two to qualify so there's a lot of pressure there and i was i couldn't stop being sick and i don't know if anybody knew that but i went to chat to dave gillick he's always the first person i meet and i was in a bad way and i couldn't stop throwing up and I'd find a bin also I don't want to see my counterparts to see me being sick I have to race them the next day I don't want them to have that little mental advantage over me knowing that I was in such a hard way after the race um so I literally walked past all of our media I apologized and I was like I can't sit and talk went through the whole of the media sat in our where the physio is trying to tie my laces while constantly throwing up and um having like there's not really anything in your tummy to be sick so I'm just gagging my coach comes and he's like, well, what are you doing here? Get your laces tied. I'll tell you that a snapped at him would be an understatement. I was like, what do you think I'm trying to do? I'm just here for me, the good of my own health. Um, got outside, got a jog on. And once I start jogging and filtering the lactate and buffering in the lactate in my body, then I start feeling better. So got that jog on. I didn't go back to media. I went back to the hotel and that showed me I was back in the hotel having food and an ice bath basically before the rest of my counterparts were even out of of the the stadium showed me that if I recover well then I can get back out there and and put myself in the best fit forward so yeah it was it was funny I'm I find you end up getting through they made me walk up all those blooming stairs for one and we didn't have any media up there and it was doing my nothing because there was a lot of flight of stairs right after a 1500 it's not great so up all these flights of stairs all the way down um and then I meet Dave and chat to Dave and then I get to the rest for media and I had said to my coach, I'd wrote down my strategy, what I'm going to do. I have an energy gel immediately off the track. I have my protein shake. I do my jog. I have an ice bath. And one of it was um, whenever you get to media, I'm telling them to have two questions each. And because it's something that I'm, I'm, um, I'm well able to talk. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows. I'm not a hard woman to interview because I don't shut up usually. So uh, I had to say to him, I was like, two questions each and no more. Is that okay? So um, you have to you have to take control of it yourself. And for me, that recovery is vital. Listen, I think any journalist or anyone working in media would understand that. You know, your your job first and foremost is to race 
and yeah. you have to prioritize what's going to impact preparing for a final like it's yeah. it's it is what it is it's high performance sport you know you got to do what you got to do Kara. yeah but preparing for that world final waking up on the morning of what was that like um do you know what i <laughs> i could laugh because um i woke up in the morning and we were two hours ahead so i was off a little bit earlier than most of my my counterparts at home um and I go through my normal routine. I think that's something that's absolutely vital for me. I'm very, I very have a lot of routines and I write down the day before the race what I'm going to do the entire day. Sit with my coach and I plan the whole day down to what time I'll wake up, what time I'll eat breakfast, what I'll possibly eat for breakfast if hopefully I've planned it and I'm able to eat it. Um, I'll do my shake out, have a shower, meet my coach for a coffee because he's very good at relaxing me. So he'll just, he'll just, bring me to a coffee shop and just chew the cud like we're talking about nothing about athletics distracts me completely we're having a right laugh and then get in straighten my hair and get ready for the business end of the day um amazingly I was a lot less nervous on world championship final day as I was for the first round and I think it was because I was like right you've you've achieved the minimum that you wanted to achieve here there's pressure off but then I, I was getting excited and and that ner- those nerves were starting to build again because it's like, oh my God, you're in a world world final. You're racing in your Irish Fest in a world championship final. This is everything that you've prepared for. And you do get nervous because you want the very best out of yourself. Will I be able to do that? But um, yeah, waking up that day, I opened a message from my daddy going to the family and to our family chat. What's everybody up to today? <laughs> my sister was going to work in the gym. My little brother was going to a job interview. My little sister's in university. And I was like, just replied, I'm racing a world championship final. And when you think of the years of blood, sweat and tears, I know it's a cliche, but that's what it is that have gone into writing those couple of words into a family WhatsApp chat. What a thing to be able to do. Oh, it's something special. And and the the pride from my family, I know. I, I like that. I like that my family keep me grounded every day, even if I'm going into world champs. I, I genuinely thought my parents had forgotten that I was racing it. I was like, does it really? Do they realise it's today, it's Saturday and maybe not Sunday? It makes me laugh and I love that because my family doesn't revolve around athletics and I come off the, the, the track and it's like, well, geez, well done, bird. When are you coming home? That's just it. Yeah, we'll go out with the dogs. <laughs> so stepping out onto the start line last Saturday evening, Kira, like, do you get a chance to take it in even for a second, just kind of look to your left and right, see the calibre people that you're now up there with and racing against? Do you get a chance before the gun goes or is it just, no, race right, here we go? Yeah, so I have to say over the past few years, I've taken a little moment just to take it in. Um, I'm very nervous. So anybody who sees me, I probably look, all the other girls are all smiley and waving on the start line and I look like I'm about to kill somebody. I feel like I'm about to kill somebody so it's all right it reflects it um but yeah you run out they usually let us out in the top end we take a wee stride down to where we start the race and I have to say seeing the tricolors around the stadium was it was something special we're so far from home and to see Irish people there out cheering us on I can hear them shouting I'm not one for waving to the crowd before I race I, I like to stay in my own head but I hear those voices I see the flags and it gives me such a, a sense of pride. And yeah, take a wee moment whenever I tow the line. They they call us they call us to a line. We're all standing in a row before they say on your marks. Um, at that point, your Tommy's doing little cartwheels. But take a deep breath. You hear the crowd. And th- I did the same at the European Champs in Glasgow. I reminded myself, it's like this is a privilege to be able to tow a World Championship final to represent your country. It's such an honour. And in the past, I would have found that overwhelming. And I think I would have seen that as a lot of pressure. 
Whereas now I see it as a privilege and and it gives me pride and it gives me that bravery out in the track to go and run as hard as I can for the vest that's on my back and all the work that I've put in. And I'm glad that I've been able to start to enjoy that. And pressure is indeed a privilege and there's no bigger pressure than running in a race that fast. What was it like to be in the thick of it? Oh, like I ran, I ran the race in Monaco where uh, Sifan Hassan ran a world record over the mile. And I ran a PB there over the 15 through a split and over the mile. Um, and that was a privilege to be in a world record race. It's an honor to be able to be racing in the 1500 whenever it's the best that it's ever been. Um, I do believe that and I feel very lucky. Sometimes I think, am I unlucky to be in such a high caliber, caliber era a 1500 meter running because in the past maybe I, I could have been a bit higher up in that field but look you have to embrace it and I feel lucky to be out there whenever the race hit off I we started and I I knew as soon as I saw Sifan Hassan go around the bend she went around the outside of us I was like right buckle up lads <laughs> we're in for a, a fast one <laughs> I said it in my head I was like here we go got ready because I knew that pace was going to was going to hit it Sifan is the world record holder over the mile and she's she's in fantastic shape so yeah the gun yeah went batting well and truly went down and I it was it was hard for part of it I found myself strained I was like I stopped looking at the clock because I knew I, sh- I didn't have to I was like you just need to focus on the girl in front of you don't lose touch um and I said to myself keep in touch with this group this racing group I knew going into the race that a lot of those girls were sub four minute runners. A lot of them had ran 356, 357, 358. I do believe that I'm in that shape. I believe that I'm in good shape to go sub four minutes. Um, I had never done it, but I was like, if I can stay in contention with them and try to wind up come the end, then then I can do it. Um, so I just try to keep my head. It is hard whenever you're at the back of the field, even if it is a world championship final. Um, and I have to say, I'm proud that I, I kept my head and I kept that pace and I chased girls down that home straight because that's what I've planned to do all season. Um, but yeah, that was a blistering race. Um, I didn't realise the time until Cahill Dennehy told me after in the media media grounds. Um, I didn't look at the clock, didn't look up at the board. I walked off the track to find the bin. And... Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was a shock to hear a time that fast, but. And it, sho- it showed in the aftermath of the race, there was just bodies everywhere. And yeah. like in some of the interviews, like Laura Moore was interviewed and she was like, I can't believe I just ran 3.55 and came fifth. Mm-hmm. The pace of it was just, everyone was talking about it. It was just incredible to watch. Oh, so this is the fastest, that was the fastest 1500 meter race ever for the sheer number of girls to go through in sub 355 shape sub 355 time to to have the girl that came fourth around 354 that's just i if somebody told me that that was going to happen i wouldn't have believed them if they if they said bet bet some money on that it's going to happen no not a mission nobody could predict that and like i watched i watched the girl who came fourth cooling down on the indoor track after me she had tears in her eyes to run 354 and to not medal to run 355 like Laura Muir is a metal hope and I finished the line and Laura was beside me the noise is coming from her I was like you all right like the girls have to be super proud of themselves they they ran 354 355 Sifan was just four seconds ahead three seconds ahead it's it's breathtaking to say the least um and yeah it's 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 very interesting in our sport right now mm. um given everything that's happened while we were out in Doha 
it presents its own questions around the race and around the sport and um I know those girls that were so so frustrated to to run such fast times and not medal but I have to just take my hat off to those girls because they did it they ran that time nobody can ever take it from them and and I hope that I can get to to 350 6 57 58 shape I would absolutely love to run 354. I don't think I'll ever be able to run 351. For yourself as an athlete competing in the championships, was there, you know, a questioning cloud over the whole championships? Did you feel it? Were you aware of it? There definitely was. There definitely was. It was, there was questions over one, the championships and its location. That was a topic of conversation and and I was interviewed and asked that while we were there. But two as well, the fact that Alberta Salazar was... um, was was convicted while the championships were on and um, that USADA put out their their, te- their testimony and that he had to be removed like ultimately from from the games he was there for the 10k Sifan Hassan is his athlete um, and he has a few more athletes there and between her race in the 10k and winning it and her race in the 15 and winning it he he was no longer there so that definitely looked that put a lot of of doubts over the championship it's frustrating for me as a clean athlete I trained my whole life I trained the whole put everything into this like athletics is my life um and to have the championships clouded with with these doubts and with these scandals it's so disappointing for the athletes that invest their whole lives work into it um and it's something that of course we're going to get asked about and and I'm happy to be asked about it because I love to see my sport be cleaned and cleaned up and we need to see that we need to see coaches who put athletes health health at risk the integrity of our sport at risk they need to be removed and it's the right thing to do but it did it put a cloud over a championships that I think were spectacular because there was performances there that I do not doubt had clouds there's performances there that were absolutely fantastic and I believe those athletes are clean and there's no questions over their heads and it takes away a little bit from them because people then slander our whole sport because of it and that's tough for me as an athlete um but all we can do is wear our own hat and our own head um i'm very proud to be a clean athlete and to compete clean and and i'll all i always will and um and i'm proud to see stuff being done to clean up the sport well the main time that i do want to talk to you about (laughs) is your brand new personal best that you ran in that final uh i didn't realize i ran it I was like, oh, off we go. I didn't even look at the time um, until one of the American athletes tapped me on the shoulder and said, did you run a PB? And I looked up and I was like, oh, jeez, I did. Oh, there we go. And then you wouldn't believe. I was like, oh, man, 0.15. <laughs> I was so close to sub four. Oh, I would have been, I would have done a victory lap for common 10th if I had run sub four. Um, I'm getting so close to that sub four mark. I don't doubt that I'm in the shape right now. I do believe that I could do it, but run out of time this season um but I'm not worried I have another season next year and and I'm so excited that I'm in this shape because I know the work I've put in and we just need to go out and do the same again and have that consistency and I don't doubt I can get in this bet this same shape and better next year so yeah I to, to run a PB at a world championship final nobody can ask more of an athlete I got gave absolutely everything out there and uh yeah, to walk away with a new PB for the season is is fantastic. It's kind of been building since, well, since last summer's European Championships, really, since August last year. And I've heard you talking about running sub four for as long as I've known you, for mm-hmm. as long as I've been following your career. Do you think having it now so agonisingly close, let's be honest, is that a good thing to still have looking ahead to next season? Oh, goodness, yeah. Look, it's so tantalisingly close. This has been an aim of mine for a long time now and... 
everybody will know that sub four 1500 that sub two 800 it's a it's a special place to be as an athlete and I come into seasons with little goals that I only discuss with my coach for me to go sub four was a was a goal this year and I didn't achieve it but I came so close to it I had the season off my life and it's all as you said built from from last year I had fantastic year last year look I had a it was tough I moved to Manchester I raced the Commonwealth Games for Northern Ireland the games were in March that was a very hard time to get fit for I'd only joined Steve that winter and before just really the beginning of December end of November so that was a hard turnaround around two two 407s back to back that was the shape I was in and we were happy with that now I've just went and ran a world championship final given the semi was very slow but it's tactical and that's the championship running but I ran a 401 and a four minute flat in the space of a few days my athletics has has jumped to where I want it to be and now I'm ready to take that next step and I'm so excited like like it's it's a fantastic place to be to know that I could have went sub four is frustrating but I'm not done yet I have next year and I have plenty of seasons ahead and I'm not in I'm not in a rush it's okay I'll 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 take it when it comes <laughs> how integral Kira has the move to Manchester been in particular in the last year the trajectory you've been on kind of hitting these margins along the way and obviously culminating in last weekend yeah my move to Manchester has it's really it's given me a whole new edge to my athletic performance and I absolutely love it I love the team we have around us the New Balance have built such a such a brilliant team in Manchester Steve and Pete um have put together a team that are in, as invested in each other's performance as they are in their own and I think that is a huge testament if you build a culture where everybody wants to see each other excel then everybody lifts each other each other and um like I I live in a house with it's it's fluctuating because people are moving in and out but right now I went back and my Dutch teammate Yip was there and she opened the door gave me a big hug kettle was on me and her chatting and and yep's like bloody amazing and in the same breath I'm like how was the session today because she's getting ready for a marathon in December beginning of December that's as vital for her as my world champs are for me but for goodness sake she was telling me Anna who's my teammate who unfortunately has just ruptured her Achilles this season um Anna watched me race and she was in floods of tears it means that much to her and for that to, to feel that passion from your teammates that it's it's such an environment to be in I absolutely love it those girls are like sisters to me now that they've managed to make a team where I have best friends and that says so much and we all meet together the girls and the lads we're we're at the front door together every morning starting out our runs the boys will finish a little faster than some of us sometimes they'll be with us it doesn't matter we all start together and we're all there together and I really think it's fantastic and Steve Steve's done so much not only to improve my physical fitness but to improve my mentality towards the sport he's he's a great believer in that mental aspect and I do work really closely as well with Kate Kirby from the Irish Institute of Sport and um and that's been vital in in my per- performance as well that I've really I've always known well maybe I haven't always known that I have the f- physical abilities to be one of the best in the world but it has always been there and now Steve has me believe in it that I can be among the best in the world and he doesn't put false hope in my head. He didn't tell me that you're going to win it. But he's like, Kira, depending on way, which way this race goes out, you could medal. So believe it. It's very hard. Sometimes you're like, oh, I know these girls have run so much faster than me. But he believes in me. And my teammates believe in me. So then I start to believe in me too. And, and it's been huge. And I think it was clear to see with the interviews. I'm absolutely loving my sport. And 
I don't think I loved it as much before. It was hard before. Whereas now he's taught me to really embrace it, embrace that pressure as it is a privilege. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Your setup in Manchester completely shatters the illusion that athletics is a solo sport. Like it's very much a team environment and a good team and a strong team that you have built around you now, both in terms of physical preparation and mental preparation. Definitely. It's not it's not an individual sport. Yes, I go out there and I toe the line alone. But my whole journey is more than that one race. So I I have girls that I run with every day. We eat together. We all make dinner for each other. We take turns. So my teammates are so crucial and vital to me. Like Steve is there discussing what my plans are going to be next year. Should he try to to help me with with um, a training partner next year because me and Anna train together so much so he knows how, how much I rely on Anna and Anna relies on me even for that mental aspect I was so lucky to have Anna at the European Indoor she she didn't make the final but she still came down and warmed up with me like that's that speaks so much more than than any performance on the track to me that she she could have sat up and enjoyed and just relaxed she was as nervous for me she did my warm-up because she knows that that's my norm to have her there to the I train with her every day and to have somebody who's as invested in you means so much never mind the athletes my coach is there every day Steve pops around most days he's there at most tra- pretty much every training session we also have a fantastic support network we have a physio and a soft tissue therapist who come to the house and the banter is absolutely 90 whenever they're there we love it like um I was in Sam Moritz before before going to the world champs for three weeks Steve realized how crucial it is for me to be relaxed he was like discussed with me what I might need before the world champs so he was like Thomas can come to the to the camp with you it's not normal that we have a boyfriend in our camp he's not part of our team but he knows that that kept me calm kept me relaxed it was it was nice for me to have him there because I it would have been two months without seeing my boyfriend so it's still things that Steve thinks of that that definitely not everybody would think of um so thomas also pays to came in handy he paced my matrinian sessions he's oh he's awful good to me um and it meant steve didn't have to pace them who often jumps into and then thomas left our sports therapist vicky came vicky's a former olympic s- swimmer and god she is class crack she's from newcastle geordie that woman can have the banter so uh so yeah Vicky's there then the week after and he she keeps that that energy there and Steve planned this meticulously it might seem like it happens but no he puts so much thought into it and I know the stress that he's under because he's trying to plan every little single thing and he does it so that we don't have to stress and that we don't even think about it and look that's uh if that doesn't show that it's a team team effort then I don't know what does and I suppose having training partners and backroom team from all around Europe all around the world but it must make all the difference when you go away to a championships yeah do you know what it's so much fun because yeah culturally you learn so much more I'd never lived out of Ireland I studied in Dublin grew up in Portaferry teaches me a lot like I'm learning from my my teammates and I absolutely love that it's culturally a, a fantastic education for me um but yeah, I, I'm not phased anymore whenever I go abroad. Like, oh, there's so-and-so and there's so-and-so. And even Steve, we go and train at the venues that, that all of the top athletes are training at. We're in Samaritz. I'm on the track at the same time as all of the Bowerman girls, as all of the Oregon track athletes. We all went down. There's a track in Italy that everybody travels down to to train in because it's not at altitude. I'm, I'm out there training while all of these major groups in athletics are training. And in the past, I probably would have been a little intimidated, but I was like, I'm, I'm as good as them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm training just the same as them. So then when I meet them at a championship, it's not so much of a, of a big deal. Like 
you're training at the track. Lewandowski was warming up. He went past, giving a wee nod. Good luck. It's a lovely lad. Oh, I came third in the 15. Absolutely delighted. One of my favorite athletes. And uh, and the fact that he looked at me and gave me a nod because he probably recognized me from Sam Ritz. I was like, I was like, Jesus, I'm feeling delighted with that. I told Thomas and he was like, there you go. But like, you know, these are, to, in order to believe that I deserve to be there, I need to realize that these people are my, they're my peers and I'm just as good as them. And it's a fantastic place to be. You surround yourself with the best athletes in the world and you believe you belong. Then you're not going to question whenever you enter a championships. And you also have the metalwork in your back pocket to back it up as well, Kira. Like you're a two-time medalist now at major European championships. So, you know, you are one that they are watching as well. So, yeah, I need to remind myself that. And I and I do, whenever I step out and I stepped off the track, I was like, right, I these girls have to look out for me now. Now I'm not I'm not running the pace that some of them are running, but I've made huge progression this year and I believe that I can make progression next year. And uh and yeah, they have to fear me and they have to fear my finish. And to have that confidence to go, well, I want them to look at the start list and go, I've Kira McGain in my in my heat. That'll be a hard one. Well that's a that's a nice thought to have. And uh, I want to keep them on their toes. <laughs> now that they've seen what your camogie elbows can do in the semi-final now, they'll all be fearing you. <laughs> yeah, I'll sharpen them. Will Steve cut you some slack now for a while while you while you recover from Worlds out and go home for a bit of rest and recovery? Uh, I did a run this morning off my own bat. Um, message Steve. Yeah, Steve, like I, I chatted to him. He's he's funny. Like we talk pretty much most days whenever I'm in Manchester. Um, but he hasn't messaged me at all since I left. Because he, he does believe, he's like, okay, give her a wee break. And he knows I'll shit my message whenever I want to get in touch. So I woke up this morning and um, and I was like, God, I'm feeling rough. I My body's stiff and sore. And my boyfriend was like, right, he was off to work. And I was just left in the house twiddling my thumbs, doing a few things and emails and, and trying to sort a, sort a bit of my life out while I have the time. Um, and then I was like, right, I think I'm going to go for a run. Thomas was like, what? Because usually I finish the season and I don't want to run for two weeks straight. Now, unfortunately, I can't do that because I would just be in bits. I need to keep moving. And yeah, movement uh, exercises is um, definitely a form of medication because I needed to be out there and have a little jog. And it was lovely, a jog to Bushy Park. Just took her handy. Like, uh, it was a very recreational jog. I stopped, took some pictures, uh, sat down and watched some birds. I'm a particular fan of wildlife. <laughs> I actually am. I'm mocking myself. I love, I love wildlife. So I sat, I watched a little yellow tailed wagtail at a, at a waterfall in Bushy Park. Thought that's beautiful. I haven't seen one of them here before. And then kept jogging and a stop and I love looking at the fish. And I don't usually get to do that. I find that usually whenever I'm running, it's training. I have to go run for eight miles. I have to go run for 11 miles. You just go and you don't get to take in the countryside around you. And uh, and I enjoyed just a little trot today and I'll probably head out tomorrow. Um, but I've also had two canums in two days. I'm going to have, I'm going out for burgers tonight. Um, I went to the shop and bought 18 euros worth of sweets. What kind of sweets? Oh, I had, so I'm fond of a biscuit. So I had um, nice sweet, I don't know if I shouldn't do plugs. I'm not, I'm not plugging them. They're not paying me. It was a Cadbury's cookie biscuit that had uh, chocolate on the inside. It was lovely. They're all broken up, but it didn't stop me eating them. Um, the Cadbury rounders. Delicious. Coasters, rounders, lovely. Um, then I also, I'm a bit of a chocolate fiend right now. I had some buttons and I also had, I love a picnic. I've got one in my bag waiting in case I get hungry. And it's such a granny thing to eat, but I'm fond of a picnic. And uh, I also got some crisps because I do love some crisps. And I got some jellies. 
and I met my boyfriend as I left the shop and he was walking into the house and he just shook his head and I was like <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to be unaccompanied in a shop right now because I'm going to go back and I'm going to probably buy another 20 quids worth of sweets and I'm just going to make a pig of myself because like don't get me wrong I have a really healthy approach to my diet and and I am allowed to treat whenever I'm running whenever I'm racing I'm not I'm not one of these people that's like I'm only going to eat a salad definitely not I need fuel but I'm making sure that I'm sick of rubbish by the time I finish this uh, this break. So yeah, I've been eating crisps and sweets all day. It's fantastic. But I also did my run. So hopefully I won't be rolling around the track come <laughs> next season. Are you looking forward to getting back up to Porta Ferry and doing laps of the village, victory laps and, and um, seeing everyone, seeing all your old pals? I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm I, I'm really looking forward. My mummy and daddy are the only ones at the house now because uh, all my siblings have all we've all parted and there I've got two siblings over in England one in London and Liverpool I'm lucky my little sister's studying in Liverpool she's close to me in Manchester and my big sister's in Belfast but uh yeah can't wait to go home see my mummy and daddy and my two dogs and my cat like I did I messaged my sister and I was like oh can't wait to get home and see the boys and meet you oh and mummy and daddy too and it was like oh they mentioned all the pets before we mentioned our parents but no I'm really looking forward to it and I have a couple of friends still knocking about Port of Frey, so I'll go see them and I do believe my little cousins are absolutely ecstatic and they can't wait to see their big cousin Kira because they've been showing me off for this whole time whenever uh, my friend Kirsty works in my local primary school she's a P7 teacher and she's teaching my little cousin John Jared at the minute and uh, she's like oh I'm doing maths could I should she's a really good teacher like she's like I want to try to make it interesting for them they're going to run an 800 meter race they're going to time it I'm teaching them decimal places and can you do a wee video and send it in so send a video into the school Kirsty's like here it's hilarious the kids are going around and I can hear them whispering like my mommy and daddy let me um <clears throat> let me stay up late last night to watch Kira McGeehan and like one of them is like well my my teacher is best friends with her <laughs> and I'm like oh kids are bragging that my, my little cousins are swanning about like they own the school now because they're, they're my little cousins so um uh, I can't wait to get back to Portofrey I'm, I'm so proud to be from there and I absolutely love going home and uh, yeah, I'll get back up. It's always nice to come to Dublin. This is, I always say I have about three homes. Portofrey's home home and it always will be. And Dublin's home, studied here for seven years and a lot of my friends and my boyfriend are here and Manchester's now another home, but uh, nothing beats home home. Strong roots laid down in, in multiple locations is no yeah. bad thing. <laughs> it means you're always welcome somewhere. You'll always be, feel at home somewhere. In terms of Kira, I suppose looking towards next year, as you come to the end of the season and it'll probably take you a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two to come to terms with the season that was and, and look ahead to next year. But what does 2020 look like to Kira McGeen? Oh, look like to me. So, yeah, I think it'll take me a little bit of time to settle and look back in the season and reflect on it because you do. It's like a whirlwind. It's like such an anticlimax after a championship because suddenly it comes to an end. and It was your whole your whole year's focus, really. I often joke it's like the Debs. You get so excited for your Debs and then it comes and you're like, oh, I'm bloody rage and that was rubbish. It was, not, it was nothing like my Debs. I can just confirm that for you. <laughs> it wasn't like mine either. But um, so it's, it's interesting. So I'm my 2020 season. Well, I'm already thinking what well, the year across is coming up in December. Um, so I'll have to go home and discuss. Well, home to Manchester home go back there and discuss with Steve about uh we're aiming for Eurocross so my 2019 isn't even over just yet but uh 2020 is gonna it's gonna be busy um I started doing an awful lot of altitude training with Steve this year and it's do you know what it's um it's a fantastic way to train and all the top athletes do it and 
ultimately like a lot of people do refer to it as it's nearly legalized doping because you get these gains in your blood passport your blood um kind of energy levels and your hemoglobin and your buffering that people try to aim for in non-legal ways so I'd be foolish not to try to take advantage and this is the first time really that I've ever went to altitude under was under Steve so it's been huge and it's been a learning curve for us first time we went I was absolutely wrecked I just slept and ran all day um whereas this last altitude camp was fantastic I like we've hit the nail on the head and we know what works for me and we know when to come down and when I get ready for championships so next year's going to have a few altitude camps um not sure where Steve's Steve's the man behind the plan and he's going to be discussing it all and he's going to be getting us all ready so I think we're probably going to be in the US for the early part of next year um and because it's too cold in Europe in the mountains in the early part of the year so we'll be in the US I'll race a few indoor races but um the world indoors are actually in China um so that's that's a tough one some athletes are going to have to um, well I'll have to decide too if we're going to race world indoors or not I don't think I will because it's going to be two long trips out to Asia and back. So I'll probably only race a few races maybe in the US, come back, have another training training stint in Manchester, and then probably another one or two altitude camps before before the Games in, in Tokyo. So my year's going to be busy. I'm, I'm probably not going to really be home for very long, um, but that's okay. I don't mind. I'm going to have my teammates around me that's like an extended family. And... Uh, and it's good fun. So looking forward to it. And the pressure is completely off with having already run the qualifying standard no less than three times. So it's, it must be nice to have that already parked and, and you know you're on that plane to Tokyo. Oh, definitely. I ran I ran that Olympic standard, my first, ultimately my first race out this season um, was in Monaco. I ran an 800 before in, um, in a British milers meet. But to be able to go and stamp that early in the season was fantastic. It's such a huge burden off my shoulders to know that that's me olympic a standard ticked so it does take that pressure off at the same time you still want to keep your world rankings up because in order to get into certain races you need to have a decent world ranking the the diamond league circuit's a hard place to get into now hopefully my top 10 finish in the world will also give me a little bit of weight behind that but you also want to have your your world rankings in a healthy position but i don't need to worry so much about it as you said it's i'm i've we don't get selection for an olympic games until the weeks prior people are like so you're on the team you don't know until the month leading up to it, two months before it, whenever the teams are selected. Um, so I, I ultimately have confirmed my place. I've got my, my standard and I should be should be there. Keeping everything fit and healthy is the only is the only place between me and the Olympic Games. So touch wood. But uh, yeah, the, the ticket's hopefully booked and, and it is so much pressure off. I can just focus on my own prep for, for the Games. Good stuff. And finally, Kira, I suppose, looking at 2020 in in another regard as you're well aware the campaign 20 by 20 has been ongoing with a view to increasing media coverage and sponsorship and attendances to women's sporting events being over in Manchester not living here full time but observing maybe things online have you noticed a sea change? Oh definitely I definitely have I have to say and you know the whole 20 by 20 movement has done so much for my awareness of other sports like I'm I'm an athlete in the middle of it knowing how how women are aren't, aren't represented to an equal equal amount as our male counterparts i'm lucky in athletics that the males and the females of my sport are equal and we're given equal coverage and equal wage and we're where there's a level bar there but i know that my female counterparts in other sports aren't lucky like that 
but it's been absolutely brilliant. I I go on to my social media feed now. I see female sport everywhere I look. It's raised my awareness and I'm so happy for that. You just look at the attendance of female sport. I think that was a record crowd in Tala last night, which was absolutely brilliant. Like hearing those kids squealing at the at the girls, I was looking across. There's wee ones that can't see over the barrier that are so excited. They were we were walking back to the car and hearing them talking and chattering. And all of these young girls, and I turned to I turned to Thomas and I said, I was like, I'm not going to wish my life away, but I can't wait until I'm a parent. I'm going to bring my kids to every sporting event that I can. And I'm bringing a busload of them, them and their mates, because that you, you can't pay for that happiness on that child's face, seeing their idols, getting to meet them. Like people don't realize how how approachable our female athletes are. And and I absolutely love it. Come the athletics meets when kids come up it's fantastic and it's raised that awareness and it's it's also put it's put a little bit of pressure on the people that the pressure needs to be on we need more coverage young girls need to be able to see that young boys need to be able to see that everybody needs to and it's blown me away the sheer amount of coverage that I've got and hopefully that shows our our other counterparts that yeah we can do this it's it's fantastic and I I can't thank the 20 by 20 movement enough because it's taught me so much about female sport. I absolutely love following all the Irish athletes and seeing that ladies Gaelic football having, it was the second largest attendance at a female sport. The only one that beat it was the Women's World Cup. That's astonishing. We're groundbreaking in Ireland. This is, this is something special. And I'm only raging that I can't get home to see them because because the, my season was so late. I'm particularly raging I didn't get to see the Camogie. I have a very soft spot for Camogie and I'm always I'm always wishing I could make the, the championship final there. But um, do you know, it's it's brilliant and it gives me chills to to go and watch the girls wearing their, their jerseys and their vests with so much pride. And I hope it inspires the next generation. Well, I think we'll leave it there. We can't pick a better note to leave it on that. Kira, congratulations again on all you have achieved this year and looking ahead to next year, we will be behind you 100%. Can't wait to see what the future holds and all the best. Thank you so much. 